This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Welcome back. I hope you had as exciting of a weekend as I did, I'll tell you. You've heard me talk about it. We've, got the, we've built this great lifestyle for ourselves. Many years in the making finally came together. Not quite perfect. My wife wants a pool, and she ain't playing. I'm like, ah, oh. It doesn't appear I'm doing a good job talking her out of it, put it that way. But either way, then a little sweating. We didn't have the benefits of the pool. We have a membership to a beautiful club that it, literally, if you spit on a windy day, it would hit the health club. I mean... It's too much to ask, I guess, right, to go down there. It's not the same. Can't take the dogs. It's not our deck. I'm thinking, how much excess do we need in our lives, for God's sake? I don't. You know what I would prefer? I'd prefer, like, a, a swimming pond. You ever seen those, like, natural swimming pools? I mean, you know, it, it's just called a pond. They, they put a different name on it. Like, oh, I specialize in natural swimming pools. Oh, really? <laughs> it's called digging a hole in the ground. It's amazing, amazing technique. You really could. People don't. You run the risk, by the way. I think that there is something about the chlorine technology and the you know need to keep like flesh eating bacteria out of the pool and whatnot. But um, if you had running water, moving water, and you could a million different ways that you could um, treat the water without chlorine. Salt water is popular now, but many other ways to do it as well. Anyway, I don't know why I got on that whole tangent. That would be my preference, a pond in the back that actually had life in it. That would be the most enjoyable thing. Speaking of life, <laughs> the deer acting a little crazy. We found a dead squirrel in the yard, not killed by the dogs, oddly enough. No no outward signs, and no hawks came down and got it. This whole scene is... Uh, and we kind of, we're like in the like the, the direct path of, of a, a windward drive, typically from the south, I guess. Maybe from the southwest, we pick up this uh, prevailing wind here. But it brings a lot of hawks through, uh, even eagles, by the way. We don't usually see eagles on our property. I just said to my wife the other day, well, you watch. We, we've had amazing uh, number of birds. It's actually a bit of a problem. Like I went to hang my pants out on the, on the fence to dry, my work pants. Washed them up, and instead of putting them in the dryer, let me just throw these over the fence. I got to put a clothesline up. We've had this discussion before, but I'll hang things out the window. I'm going to hang it out there, and there's all kinds of bird poop on the top rail of the fence, all the way down, all the way down. The cars get it. I'm like, all right, this is getting a little old, but we do. We love them. But sooner or later, I said to my wife, we're going to see an eagle coming through here. Anyway, strange times. It's very dry. They're saying, I think, rain tonight, rain tomorrow night. I don't know, 90% chance, God willing. We got an eighth of an inch the other day. It was a little bit, but not enough to save the squirrel, I guess, the poor guy. Couldn't make it to the fence line. So I had to scoop him up. And that, that was the other thing. Uh, it started to stink very quickly. Now, I don't know exactly how long it was laying down there, but it couldn't have been very long, put it that way. But anyway, it was a great weekend. We were outside where I like to be. I came across this story that has uh, set up this podcast here talking about reparations. I uh, have this article here from The Root. Slave descendants in Minnesota and Dakotas to receive $50 million in grants. 
and um, it caught my attention mainly because of the location, right? You expect to hear this coming out of New York or, or um, uh, you know, crazy California or something like that, but South Dakota, the Bush Foundation, this is who's funding this, has seemingly got a move on repairing the generational wealth of black Americans faster than any state legislature. This is a, a real departure from the norms and the laws in this country. Um, first, I'll point out that what about the American Indians? Why aren't, why aren't they being made whole as part of this whole? Why, is it, why aren't it, it all uh, disenfranchised people or you know whatever the politically correct term I'm supposed to be using for people with their hands out crying that they want uh, more of other people's money? Whatever the, whatever the excuse they use for robbing you, right, that's really what it's about. The mafioso swooping in. When I tell you this whole story and I blow this open, what's happening, it's, it's going to blow your mind. And, and a real indication of what's going on in this country. I'm going to give you some information that you're not going to get anywhere else on the whole reparations front. How's that? It happens here on this podcast uh, I don't know. I guess we take it for granted a little bit. You won't get this anywhere. None of the big networks, none of the little networks. The only place I could tell you that you would get access to the quality of information that I'm going to share with you on this particular topic would be from somewhere like the No Agenda show. You might get um, Glenn Beck will sometimes dig into things and they'll do some kind of their investigative journalism. He, he'll put out some high quality stuff on, on, the, on this caliber. But I'm going to break it down for you. We're literally being robbed. This isn't about slavery. It's not about black people. It's a freaking crime what's going on. I'm going to get into it here in a second. Before I do, though, I want to give you a little update on a little story here. My stomping grounds, Philadelphia. I'm, uh, as the crow flies, I forget now. We're just a couple of miles from the border of Philadelphia. It's uh, one town. Uh, the next, the town we abut abuts Philadelphia, borders Philadelphia. So that's how close we are. Uh, right in there, right? And um, you wouldn't know it by where we live at all, really. We don't see the lights, the skyline, none of that. Even though we're up on a hill, there's a bigger hill in front of us. So we don't we don't see Philadelphia at all. Maybe a little bit of the uh, plane traffic coming into the Philadelphia. But other than that, that's about it. The major uh, highway here. Uh, does go right down into Philadelphia, but it's the old route into Philadelphia. Now there's newer routes into Philadelphia that people use. So uh, even though we're close, really not connected. Why am I bringing all this up? Well, you may have heard that over the weekend, or maybe it was Friday, Friday or over the weekend, one of the two, that a tanker truck caught on fire underneath Route 95, I-95, which if you don't know, is the highway which runs from Maine to Florida. People take these things for granted. But I'm going to tell you that that little section of, it's essentially a, an overland bridge at that part of Philadelphia because, uh, you know, Philadelphia's an old city. They couldn't run a highway through the middle of the city, so they, it's elevated. Essentially a bridge just over land instead of over water. Uh, this tanker truck, apparently, and no details really being released on this, so I'm kind of uh, putting this together uh, for you. And I'll just jump right to the point here. Um, I believe it was likely, I'm speculating, let me rephrase this, uh, it likely could have been, I don't, I don't know the right way to say it, I don't usually have a hard time with my words like this, I don't want to, I want to be careful how I say it. I'm wondering 
if it was an act of terrorism. Interestingly enough, I also saw uh, a link that Biden was going to be kicking off his campaign by speaking to union members in Philadelphia. And so what does all that mean? Well, Philadelphia is a real liberal stronghold, including where I'm at here. That is a connection that we have to Philadelphia. And a big part of what's happening, to tie this into the reparations discussion, um, I'm told, and this is in front of the state legislature, has been before, that the, the way the earned income tax works with workers being taxed is about $190 million a year that's taken from suburban workers and sent down into the, into, into the city. And this is one of the reasons why people want to get out, companies want to get out. And I'm not going to go through and, and explain this in, in crazy detail. I, I wonder this sometimes about the way I do the podcast. Maybe you give me a little feedback. When I say to you that they're taking $190 million, what goes through your head when I say that? It's tyranny. You're taking money out of taxing jurisdictions where people and, and making them pay it in jurisdictions where they have no representation. They work there. They don't live there. They can't vote there. It's wrong. It's very wrong, and I have a hard time fixing it, even with a Republican legislature. Although I feel like the state house maybe went Republican. I don't think so. No, it didn't. Anyway, doesn't matter. It would be, be interesting to see if this, this passes. But uh, the cities are basically ripped, not basically, they're completely ripping off the suburbs around them. Uh, the, the one place where this is really notable is in Camden, New Jersey, right across the river from Philadelphia. Camden like just destroys Camden County. Cherry Hill, which is the uh, wealthier section of Camden County, gets clobbered in taxes with the money that it costs to run the city of Camden. It's just, it's just a money pit down there. Same thing with Philadelphia. These cities are massive drains. And I believe that this issue, I believe that they know instinctively that the money's going to dry up. I believe... That's why there's this frenzy with these spending. Don't you dare not spend that money. They're like afraid because the place is going to burn. You know, if they don't keep pumping this money down into these poor communities, these people start getting hungry. They're going to hop across the border, my friend. I don't think people realize this, the, the state of this and what's going on. But anyway, the truck fire, this is what I wanted to bring up to you. It's being, oh, a truck fire. No real details about it. We'll see if anything comes out of it. I don't think you'll hear. I was talking to a couple of guys that um, are involved with Homeland Security and FEMA, as I've talked to others. And these guys are, you know, pretty high up in, in, the, in these organizations, right? And their, their two main fears is domestic terrorism or, ter or terrorist activity in general. I shouldn't even say it domestic, domestic or foreign, it doesn't matter. But these, the, the things like this, blowing up a, a bridge like this on, on Route 95. Uh, and the second biggest one, or the biggest one really, is probably an EMP, whether natural or, or man-made. But when you look into um, even the, just the solar flares from the sun's natural cycle, there's concerns that this equipment and so forth isn't shielded. But anyway, I look at this truck fire in Philadelphia, and the first thing, my hair on the back of my neck stood up, and I said, man, that's what I keep hearing these FEMA guys talking about. It's exactly that type, this, this quiet, all it takes is one driver. You know, Joe Biden, oh, you're going to need more than an AR-15. You're going to need an F-15. You want to take on the federal government. Oh, really? Is that right, Uncle Joe? Well, we'll see. I say, uh, No. I say you're wrong about that. This case proves it.
I don't know. I don't have any facts to support what I'm saying to you at all. Nothing. Just purely circumstance and intuition. Something don't look right to me. Uh, these tanker trucks, you know, you don't hear of a lot of fires uh, with them to begin with, let alone at that location. The driver didn't have enough sense to get it out from underneath the... It's crazy, really. How did it, how did it end up there at all? I really don't know. Is it even legal to be there? I had the question that. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, don't, I don't know what's involved. Uh, maybe somebody listening has a, a tanker, a CDO with a tanker endorsement. You could tell me or has uh, hazmat uh, endorsements. Are you allowed to, to move a tanker like that underneath a bridge? Who knows what it was? We don't even know what it was, right? If it, say if it was gasoline, are you allowed to move gasoline uh, under a bridge? I know like tunnels, you can't take explosives through tunnels and things like that. And if it was an act of terror and it was carried out successfully, huh, what's going on? Maybe, you know, start looking around the world. Start looking at the countries that hate us. There's a serious breakdown in security. Our government uh, can't keep security here. They can't keep the border secure. And what's going to happen if bridges like the I-95 bridge get start taking out a service? And, I, and I, there's other things that I know about with our infrastructure. And I don't know a lot, by the way. It's not like I've ever studied or anything like that. So this just goes to show to you the frailty of some of this, this infrastructure. How easy it would be for massive, massive disruptions. When I tell you that you must prepare, that you must be pre- prepared for what, people say, for disruptions uh, in the ability to, to get things, basically, and that you may have to become self-sufficient. So I want to just, uh, I haven't said it in a little while, I highly recommend you go to hopeforsurvival.com, uh, get his book, Hope for Survival. I have no business affiliation. This isn't a commercial. Uh, Butch, the author, has become a friend. Um, and it's his area of expertise. And it was he that really, uh, and, and some circumstance, that motivated me to, to rethink the way that, that we've prepared. And now, uh, and we did have an incident. A tornado came through here. You've heard me talk about it. And you probably heard me talk also about how uh, my neighbors were struggling. And for us, it was a nice bit of da- family downtime, quite frankly. Quite the difference, Right. But how much will the cost of bridges like you know, that we're now going to live in an era where this may become commonplace? Look what just happened in Russia, the Nord Stream pipeline, that dam. You know, what, do you, what happened? Look at how frail the water situation is out in the western part of this country with the dams in service. Imagine if they start taking them out. And listen, you know, I'm just sitting here talking off the cuff. I don't think in these terms. I'm I'm a, a security guy. I'm you know I'm not I'm not the I'm not the uh, the instigator. The, uh, um, the, the you know what I'm saying I'm not the troublemaker, right? So I don't think in those terms. But don't tell me that there aren't people around the world that are thinking in those terms, and you don't think they're thinking, looking, just doing what I just and that Russian dam thing is pretty big deal. Wow, you know, now that I think about it, Lake Tahoe's pretty valuable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How vulnerable. I don't know. How good is the security? I don't know. I really don't. And and what and like I said, I don't even know the vulnerabilities. Does anybody really know? Has you know all this homeland security and what are they keeping secure, by the way? You know, they're not just keeping the border secure. If you're not keeping the border secure, what is secure? Let me put it that way. Anyway, that's my feeling. I'm a little concerned it might be a uh, terrorist activity there outside of Philadelphia. And I mentioned that, you know, why would it be a target? 
It's a, it's a liberal stronghold. Biden's going to be going there. Uh, could it be some kind of preemptive plan? I don't know. It's very concerning to me. Um, and if it is, we'll probably never know, by the way. Likely never know. Let me get on to this story of reparations. I couldn't believe this when I saw it. The Bush Foundation? Why is the Bush Foundation? I knew he was a globalist. Um, seemingly got a move on repairing the generational wealth of black Americans faster than any state legislature. Wow. So what are you telling me? Private money? The foundation will issue $50 million to slave descendants living in Minnesota and the Dakotas. You ready for this? The plan is to issue grants. Why the word grants? Oh, you'll find out. Of up to $500,000 to 800 slave descendants over the next eight years. What? Goofy, right? Um. Through this $50 million open road fund, Nexus has a chance to provide a return on investment black folks have long made to this country and create black wealth, says Nexus CEO Repa Mecca. To us, black wealth building is about creating spaces and opportunities that help all black people to thrive. The Bush Foundation say the program is not a reparations effort because it is not extensive enough. But community leaders rank the wealth building program with only a few others looking to address slavery's generational effect in a meaningful way. Um, The goal of these grants is to break down the socioeconomic barriers that inhibit the black community's ability to attain and retain wealth. Listen to me a second. (laughs) This is all lies, 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 and they know it. I'll point to you one thing. Do you know that the percentage of people that win the lottery that die broke is like 100%? Giving people free money has never been effective at building wealth. How are they identifying these 800 slave descendants? What are their names? Who are these people? How old are they? Are you going to give $500,000 to some 70-year-old woman? Where is this money even going? Where is the oversight? Where's this money coming from? Well, it's being funneled through. And this is the part you'd only get from the likes of, uh, what's the, the Tucker Carlson. There you go. This is my Tucker moment. How's that? Yay, Tucker moment for Chris. Um, The money is coming through the New Africa Community Development Corporation. Good luck finding any information about that. But what we do know is that it's a federally recognized community-based development corporation. Well, get out of town. What does all this mean in practical terms? Remember all the grant money? Why were they fighting over this last budget deal about pulling back that COVID, unspent COVID money? Why were the Democrats, no, we need to spend, we have to spend, we didn't need it. We have to spend, why the push to spend, spend, spend? These are what's called community development funds, community development block grants sometimes. These are, uh, have turned into completely politicalized slush funds. 
I even heard it on a conservative Philly talk radio. They were talking about some grant provision. And it's going to be a competitive process because they think that's good. Because they say they're conservative and they think they're right about everything, but they're too stupid to realize what they're even talking about. When they say competitive process, let me tell you what that means in modern terms. It means everybody's getting screwed. I've seen it here firsthand. A politician show, boom, a million dollars shows up on the table. Now, there's legality. It's not like they're putting it directly in somebody's pocket, but here's how they are putting it directly in somebody's pocket. Just label it reparations, and you don't even know who the hell the 800 slave descendants are. Is there any chance that they're Jewish? You know, and I hate to point that out. What are you talking about? Well, I don't know. They were slaves in Egypt. Why don't we pay for them too? What do you say? That's audacious? How is it any less audacious than this crap? That you're going to sit there? How do you tell me that the American, if you're going to look at, look at to me this with a straight face and say that this has value and this is a good way for money to be spent out of our treasury, then how do you explain to me why the American Indians are leaving high and dry? But the funniest thing about all this to me is this. That not only are you going to have generations where goes, well, white people, why are white people, white people, what about the black people that aren't getting the money that they're going to pay for this too? It's hilarious when you think about it in that context. It's a crime. And I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to tell you right now, it has nothing to do with slavery uh, or, or, or blacks or, or black wealth. Somebody's stuffing money in their, in their pockets. Show me all this money that's been pumped into Black Lives Matter and all this other nonsense. Show me one success story and I'll shut up. I would love to see it. I would absolutely love Show me the poor slave descendant that had nothing all these years. And they gave them, them, them something and all this just turned into a, a great success SS case. Show me the filthy pigs at the top of, of BLM living in these mansions with all their money. Tell me what they're doing. Their lives have become, have become ruins, worse than they were before. Unbelievable to me. You know, I did a little checking, by the way. New York lawmakers passed bill to consider reparations for slavery. Here's the New York Post. These white racists, they sound like me. 50,000 New Yorkers died fighting slavery. Is that not reparations? Hmm. Lawmakers advanced commission to review reparations remedies, California's reparation policy, ripple effect of Japanese-American reparations, black families seek return of land seized through eminent domain. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. What is the problem? It has nothing to do with slavery. It has nothing to do with race. So please, for our non-white brothers and sisters out there, I wish you no harm. I have no axe to grind with you. Not the Jewish people who were enslaved. Not the Irish people who were enslaved. Not the American. I have no problems with any cultures, okay? This isn't about culture or race or slavery. Two centuries ago, 200 years, uh, there was a, a Scottish guy. And this is what he said. I want you to listen to this very carefully. There's been others who have said similar things, but this one in particular, I want you to listen to this. A democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. That's what, Why do you think, then, these people that want to push us to dem- dem- our democracy or democracy, it can only exist until the majority discovers it can vote itself money out of the public treasury. After that, the majority always votes for the candidate promising the most benefits with the result that democracy collapses because of the loose fiscal policy ensuing. Always 
to be followed by a dictatorship than a monarchy. If I didn't know any better, I would leave the country. I really would. I have this, um, and I want to share this with you to wrap this up. You say, what do you do? You throw your hands up. Uh, the future of this country, in many ways, to me, seems like a, largely a foregone conclusion at this point. These debts will not go unpaid, I promise you. They'll take Alaska. They'll take Hawaii. They'll take the West Coast. Whatever it takes to make good on it, there will be some way. The oil, the something. It will happen. The, the people, the people that, that, that are you know, motivated by these things, they're, they're not going to take no for an answer. They can't. They can't. I could go on about that. But here's this uh, cycle to represent uh, what this Scottish politician was talking about 200 years ago. He says, uh, freedom, uh, people uh, in, enslaved oppose those conditions, and um, they find unity in their deep moral gatherings where faith is developed. Right, Faith as a result of slavery, which creates courage, which means that people will fight for freedom once they achieve their liberty and their freedom. Then comes a time of abundance, and we are living that right now. Even further, after the abundance comes selfishness. What do you mean I have to do without? Then from selfishness comes uh, complacency. From complacency, apathy. People don't have any sense of responsibility for any of it. How could you? How could, you, how could you tell me I'm responsible for paying this money? I don't feel any responsibility to that. Our government relies on people voluntarily paying their taxes. I'm not doing it voluntarily at this point. After apathy becomes dependence on the government, which is already largely happening, that's why the spending bill, out of that dependence, we return back to slavery and the cycle repeats itself. They say about every 200 years or so. And that's where we're at in the process, where we go with it. So here's what I wanted to say to you about all this. You know, uh, part of the reason why I do this podcast is hoping that somehow the message, meaning, encouragement might somehow fall on the right ears, that you know, maybe it will have a difference somehow, somewhere. And I, and I do believe that it does. But then also for the average person like myself, what do you do? I mean, do we leave? Should we go to Russia? Russia is in a different point in the circle, a cycle. Maybe better off there, but I wouldn't take that for granted either, not at all. But it may literally very well be freer in Russia right now than it is here. Crazy as that sounds, right? We took it for granted. Complacency set in, and that was evidenced with the stolen election and the COVID response. Never in a million years that I would imagine that this would happen in this country. And that's where the complacency has fallen. And now there's no, no personal responsibility at all. And we're falling into this pattern of dependence where the, you know, the, the, the government represents the right now 30% of the GDP. People, you know, we went from rugged individualism to where's my money? Everybody's got their hand out. How many people living on the government dole? And then and here's what's funny, too. You know, we talk about the spiritual war, and look what's happening. More money, more wealth, more people on the dole. You would think everybody would be happy. But they're not at all miserable, depressed, 
and addicted in most cases. It's crazy when you think about it. Just remember this. It's faith that brings people out of slavery. Look to God. That's the answer. If you pray, you begin to uh, live your life in a godly way. You'll find the freedom that you're looking for. We don't have to wait for the rest of the country is my point. The freedom lies in our faith. You see the connection? That's where it comes from. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Hope to see you there. Make it a great day.